0: Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio and on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station for the Inner Life at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app.
1: It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is the Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help.
2: One heart at a time.
1: Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio.
0: Hi again, everyone. I'm Chuck Knaff. Thank you for joining us on The Inner Life, our program about spiritual direction and Today, uh, time to say again Merry Christmas and Happy New Year as we begin this year of 2021. We thought it uh, might be a good way to start the year by looking deeply at the source and summit of our Catholic faith. It's called the Eucharist. The real presence of Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity we find and experience in the Eucharist. The truth is, if uh, research polls are correct, a lot of us Catholics don't believe in the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. But what about you? Well, we're going to talk about that today. Here to help us on the uh, journey today, our spiritual director, back with us once again, Father Marcel Tyone. Father Tyone is a priest in the Diocese of Providence. Rhode Island, pastor at Saint Thomas More Catholic Church, and Father Marcel Tayon. Been much too long since you've been on the program. Welcome back! Merry Christmas and happy New Year!
3: And the same to you and to all our listeners today. A blessed, uh, had a great Epiphany yesterday. Cruising towards the baptism of the Lord this Christmas season, and great to start the New Year with you.
0: And looking forward to our conversation today, and as we do every day, we'll open up our phone lines, inviting you and our listening audience to join us. Yes, we are back to live programming. So as we talk about the Eucharist, if you have any questions, but uh, your experience of the Eucharist, what does it mean to you? We'll uh, get those phone lines open here in just a moment. But uh, Father Tyone, get us started talking about the Eucharist today, and, and maybe just a general question, why is the Eucharist the source and summit of our Catholic faith?
3: And the short answer is because the Eucharist is Jesus Christ, right? It's truly His presence. Uh, we know, believe, and have professed as a Church for 2,000 years that Jesus instituted the Eucharist uh, as a means of Him to stay truly present with us. So so the Eucharist is Christ, and the Church and our faith exists to worship, to know, to love Him, and to experience Jesus. So to experience the Eucharist is to encounter Jesus Christ personally and uh, in His true and real presence. So it's an extraordinary gift. Um, sometimes I think, uh, you know, we we know it's the center of our life because He's the center of our life. So I love if you you walk into any Catholic church in the world, even if you didn't know Christ, I bet you would say by the furniture in the room, uh, the the appointments that the table, the altar is definitely. The focal point, uh, which it is in every church. And the reason that is so is because that is where the Eucharist is confected, received, and the simple bread becomes consecrated. Uh, bread becomes Christ during the celebration of the sacrifice of the Mass. And so even our buildings uh, communicate to anyone who wouldn't know a thing about Jesus. You'd walk into the Catholic Church and say, that table, that altar is definitively the center of this building. And again, that's because the buildings are designed because the Eucharist is the center of our life. So so even, even the architecture speaks to us of what we believe and that we obviously don't want to live without Jesus and having Jesus there and also reserved in what's called the tabernacle, those ornate oftentimes or simple boxes that are locked that keep the consecrated Eucharist for those that are dying for adoration, for, for signs of uh, time of private prayer. Uh, again, if we go in our churches and chapels, we'll see the Eucharist uh, is prominently displayed. as a candle burning reminding those that come in the building that He is there. The center of our life is present. That's why Catholics genuflect. They take a right knee down to the floor if they're able to physically when they enter in, because He's truly present in the Eucharist already. So even our gestures, what we do with our body, the way our buildings are built, uh, the, the Eucharist is the center of our life because Christ is the center of our life. So it is. it is... Uh, we call it the most blessed sacrament, right? We have seven sacraments, but it's the most blessed sacrament. And I love uh, that those words go nicely together, I think, because they remind us that who the Eucharist is and how the Eucharist was given to us, why it's here with us, why he's here with us, and the Lord chooses to remain here with us, that we know we're not alone. Christ is at the right hand of the Father in heaven, as we pray in our creed, but he's also very much truly present uh, in Mass and, and in the Eucharist. So what a gift we have. It's a gift to be treasured. It's a gift to be pondered, to be studied, uh, to be talked about on shows like this that help us, even if we have thanks be to God, we know what the Eucharist is, that we can never think or talk or meditate on Jesus enough. So I was it's, glad it was the topic for the show today.
0: Mm-hmm. Father Marcel Tyone is our spiritual director talking today about the Eucharist. And let's open up the phone lines, inviting you and our listening audience to join us. It's a toll free phone number, 888 914 9149. You can also email us, life at relevantradio.com. But as we talk about the Eucharist, what does the Eucharist mean to you? And was there a moment in your faith journey when you came to know and believe in the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist? We'd love to hear the story. So If you have any questions about the Eucharist, we invite you to join us. And again, toll-free number, 888-914-9149. So, Father Tyone, I guess my question is, um, I mean, why, from your perspective as a priest, why do you think uh, so many of us uh, who profess to be Catholic don't believe in the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist?
3: I think people that grow up Catholic, what we call cradle Catholics from the grave, uh, from the grave, from the cradle to the grave, sort of uh, growing up around, you know, it's a sense of, you know, I was blessed to have that journey myself, so I've had more Eucharist in my life because I grew up Catholic, um, but I, I do find that sometimes I think we, we don't really appreciate the, the gravity of the gift, the enormity of the gift, we grow up around it, and I find people, you know, we, unlike uh, some of our protestant brothers and sisters we don't believe it's just a symbol we don't believe we're reenacting and um so i i think sadly enough i think people maybe never really pondered and studied the real presence of christ because I, I think if they did uh catholics would do anything uh not to leave him uh because it is him so i i think some of it is that i, I think some of it is just uh I don't know why I mean I think there's a lot of different reasons why people don't attend mass regularly pre-pandemic even and but I think one of them is definitely uh, not really understanding that Christ is the Eucharist the Eucharist is God And sometimes when I teach that to people you see them sort of sit up straight and their eyebrows go up because I think they even though they were around the Eucharist a lot they may not have been sort of theologically challenge to understand and believe that it's really him so I think some of its catechesis and I think some of it is just not not understanding and then and then of course the Eucharist is also a, a great impetus for us to live a certain way right to not do certain things and to never be sort of want not in, not being able to receive the Eucharist so that's another question maybe later in the show but you know who shouldn't and shouldn't receive the Eucharist and why and and also um that's great the, the impetus to to receive the Eucharist would be a, a, a Incredible sense of energizing dedication and zeal in the believer to want to be in a state of grace to be able to eat and drink the body and blood of Christ and so that's the other thing it also affects not only does it defend us against sin and temptation and be an encounter with Jesus and receive sacramental grace what the Eucharist does is fuel our our soul, our body, and our minds during times of temptation, or discouragement, or hopelessness. The Eucharist is sort of the, if you will, the, the vaccine against death and darkness, right? And we certainly know about that with uh, COVID nineteen. But but the Eucharist is even more powerful than a vaccine because it's it's really in one sense, right? It's the uh, it's really that that pledge and experience of eternal life. Uh, so it's it's a mm-hmm. it's the Lord's will for us. It's His love for us. So the Eucharist is love. The Eucharist is God, and I. I I don't know. I get befuddled myself sometimes. Why? Why more people don't believe or don't understand? And I'm pretty certain they don't know it's Christ, or they wouldn't leave uh, the Eucharist. And I, I, I think uh, that's that's my that's my belief. Because if, if it's Christ, how could you leave Christ? You know, and so many people love our Lord, uh, but I think we need to do a better job at sort of witnessing and and calling people to Eucharist and to to ponder and believe that. I, I think that's. I think you're on to something. I think it's a, a an issue probably of catechesis and a lack of uh, maybe encounter, personal encounter with the Lord Jesus, which, which the Eucharist is every time. We all want to encounter the Lord, and every time we eat the host, um, we're always encountering him. He encounters us, and you know we, we only get the grace that we're open to receiving in some sense. We get the sacramental grace, but those personal graces depend on the believer's understanding of what's happening and what God's doing for and in us in and, and the reception at Mass.
0: Yeah, you know, it's interesting, as, as you talk about that, I'm just reminded, being a convert, uh, and, uh, you know, uh, was married in the church, uh, my cute uh, wife uh, and bride uh, was Catholic, we were married in the church, and then it just was a, a gradual understanding of the Eucharist, uh, becoming, uh, you know, converting to the faith. But I got to the point where I started asking myself, if this is Jesus, as the Catholic faith professes, why wouldn't? we want to believe this i mean yeah. i mean wow this is amazing what do you use the word gift this is an incredible gift for all of us
3: and you, we i'm sure you've heard the expression that converts make the best Catholics because they receive the eucharist new sort of like a new a teaching i have had people convert just because they come to understand the eucharist is god and then they study it draws them into Catholicism into the faith um, because they almost appreciate something a cradle Catholic might not, again, having growing up from second grade on, most of us receiving the Lord, so in a sense, not that it's not special, but it's not new, so we're so used to being around the sacred that we're not sort of overwhelmed by Him in that way, and uh, so, you know, I think that's something we all need to work on. We need to kind of continue to keep the relationship with the Lord new and and different, and there's there's so many things the saints have written about the Eucharist, there's so much in Scripture about it, I, time to open the scriptures sometimes and read through those things. St. Paul's writing on the Eucharist, uh, John's Gospel, and there's so many wonderful things about it in Scripture. The Scripture points to the Eucharist clearly in John 6, other places that are so profound. Uh, but, but I think yeah, I think we need, to, we need to encounter Jesus. You know, if you're listening to the show today again, I think sometimes, you know, one of the things as a priest I'm blessed to see is First Communions and Last Communions. So when someone knows they're going to die and go home to God, Uh, if they believe they will want the Eucharist and that last reception of communion in this world is as profound differently as the first communion and I always find those communions to be uh, very very moving and uh, extraordinary intimacy and and love that the person feels kind of food for the journey home and call it viaticum and Eucharist that's one of the reasons we have tabernacles is the church's tradition is to keep the Eucharist for those that are dying and sick and uh, and you see it today and in pandemic times you know, people that are away from practice for, for health reasons, other things, if they get to receive the host even one time, they're usually in tears and very moved and overwhelmed. It's sort of like a second First Communion people are having. So I do see that quite a bit in these days, and that's the hidden grace of all this, I think, too, is people are hungry for the Eucharist, they miss Jesus, and they, they very much want Him. So I think that's why in modern times, in these days in which we live the The spiritual communions are very popular today. It's kind of a nice thing because it explains the theology of the Eucharist. I find the very spiritual communion prayers themselves can remind the believer that he's really present in the Eucharist, and that even though they can't receive him, they want some of the graces as if they had. And so I think that's one of the pandemic graces. Spiritual communions have raised awareness of the true presence in the people in in the words they say when they say those prayers. I also think that's another help right now.
0: Father Marcel Tayon, our spiritual director, talking about the Eucharist today. And uh, I remember a few years ago, we were uh, in the Diocese of Austin, Texas, our son and uh, his wife, uh, Melissa, their daughters. One of their daughters, uh, Riley, was receiving her first communion at, I'll uh, put out a plug for St. Martin de Poros down in Dripping Springs and um we went and i was just pondering to use your word again about uh, that this was uh, this young lady's first communion and then i wondered about her second communion you know the next week and then i realized that 52 communions for me a year were not enough <laughs> I, I just and i don't remember when i started going to daily mass but i just it just dawned on me that uh, receiving the eucharist every day uh, was was so important to me, and that going once a week was, for me at least, not enough. It just was that that deep and that rich for me in that moment.
3: Yeah, and I, I'm glad you shared that, because I think that's something, you know, I think even practicing Sunday Catholics might not have thought of in their lives. So, grin Grand Prix, some people have work and children, different responsibilities, but if they're able to, to be able to start daily Mass changes, I think one's relationship with Jesus and the Eucharist, and there's, It's really like a daily retreat, and I mean, some people have gone to daily Mass their whole life, and it's pretty profound. We have a large number here at my parish, thanks be to God, and uh, people do that. I know during Lent, at least in my part of the country and the world, people try to go more often on daily Mass during Lent, and Lent's kind of come up, or in Christmas, but it's coming pretty fast, right after Valentine's Day will be Ash Wednesday, and challenge you, if you're listening today, to maybe, you know, put put that on the radar. And some people can't go to Sunday Mass, they're afraid of the crowds, but... We've had people actually come to daily mass where there's less people, and they can do it that way, or come in for private devotional daily visits. Plus, it's sacrament. But I think you're right. Um, daily mass changes everything, and if it's ever possible, you know, some some business people get up early and go into the city and get an early morning mass at a cathedral or a basilica or some place of you know where the schedule works for their schedule. They find out. What local parish on the way to work or somewhere has a mass and it's usually 20 minutes to a half hour um depending it's usually no more than a half an hour and you still receive the eucharist get the daily mass readings and it does deepen one's devotion to the real presence i find uh, people that go to daily mass they really become even more hungry for the eucharist not less it's it's it's, it's, as you said right oh my gosh 52 is not enough Now I can do maybe 300 a year, (laughs) and uh, it just changes everything. I mean, you think about 300 encounters with Jesus Christ, that's, uh, that's pretty profound to reflect on that.
0: We are talking today about the Eucharist and uh, what does the Eucharist mean to you and was there a moment in your faith journey when you came to know and believe in the real presence of Christ? In the Eucharist, what happened? We'd love to hear the story. Father Marcel Tyone is our spiritual director. If you'd like to join us, uh, toll-free phone number 888-914-9149. We'll get to some phone calls when we come back. You're listening to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. This is today's Gospel reading from the New American Bible.
2: Matthew, chapter 4, verses 12 through 17, and verses 23 through 25. When Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and went to live in Capernaum by the sea, in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali, that what had been said through Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way to the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sit in darkness have seen a great light. On those dwelling in a land overshadowed by death, light has arisen. From that time on, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He went around all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and curing every disease and illness among the people. His fame spread to all of Syria, and they brought to him all who were sick with various diseases and racked with pain, those who were possessed, lunatics, and paralytics, and he cured them. And great crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, and Judea, and from beyond the Jordan, followed
0: him. You can find all the daily readings at RelevantRadio.com gospel or tap the prayer tab on the Relevant Radio app. The Relevant Radio studio line is sponsored by Catholic Order of Foresters. Information about employment opportunities and their flexible premium life insurance plans available at RelevantRadio.com Forester. Thanks for joining us, everyone. And from all of us at Relevant Radio, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you as we begin this first broadcast day of 2021 here on Relevant Radio and on the Inner Life I'm Chuck Neff, along with our producer, Nick Schmitz, Jim Shaper answering your phone calls today. Father Marcel Tyone, our spiritual director. Father Tyone is a priest in the Diocese of Providence, Rhode Island, pastor at St. Thomas More Catholic Church uh, in the uh, Diocese of Providence. Talking today about the Eucharist, phone lines are open if you'd like to join us, 888-914-9149. Don't forget, you can email us, at com. But as we talk about the, the Eucharist, what does the Eucharist mean to you? you, and maybe a moment in your faith journey when uh, you really came to know and believe in the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. Uh, what happened? We'd love to hear the story. Again, toll free if you'd like to join us, 888-914-9149. So Father, let's uh, head to the phones, and Marcy, listening in Burnsville, Minnesota, you're up first. Uh, welcome to the program. Good to have you with us today.
4: Yes, thanks for having me. Um Yes, there was a real specific moment that I actually experienced um, at Adoration. Um, I had a, a friend who um, was very involved and had encouraged me to check it out. And at this point in time, um, I grew up in the Evangelical Covenant Church, and then I was Lutheran, and I kind of was finding my way. And um, she invited me, and I kind of, you know, I knew a little bit about... Um, The Catholic Church, and I kind of laughed and said, made a joke out of it, isn't that where they think Jesus is in some special box? (laughs) And um, so I remember actually driving um, to the church, parking in the parking lot, saying a little prayer, and thinking, okay God, I'll check this out, this will kind of uh, alleviate some of the pressure my friend is kind of encouraging me to do. And I went into the chapel, and there was that peace that passes all understanding was so strong. I was on my knees. I thought I'd be in there for a few minutes. I was in in there probably an hour, maybe even an hour and a half. It totally changed my faith journey. Um, It got me on the road, and I've been now a Catholic for, I think it's about 24 years, but it was that moment. There was something so unique, so special. It was amazing. Um, so how old were
3: you, Marcy? Very how old were you, Marcy, when that happened? Just curious. How old were you?
4: Oh, um she' going to be dating me here. Um, I was, what was I, um, probably 30, 30, about.
3: And did your friend that took you there, did she, obviously, is she still in your life? Did she journey with you into the church, or was she? did you speak to her about that? Is that oh, sure, like, yes. Oh, yes.
4: A- Absolutely, she ended up being my RCIE sponsor. Oh, so she was with me the entire journey, and actually, she was on the journey even before then because I had participated in a life in the spirit seminar um, at the church. So great. and um, and I did run. I did run into her just this past Sunday at Mass as well. Uh, but yes, she was very, very involved in the whole RCIA process as well. But there was just, uh, it was just a fantastic experience that, you know, you read about it in Scripture about that peace that passes all understanding, um, and I actually got to experience it at that that first adoration um, at the Most Blessed <sighs> sacrament. Well,
3: what a gracious story yeah, to all cool. of us who believe in the Eucharist, to bring bring someone with us to Mass, right, or to adoration, to bring bring someone with us and uh, see what happens. I think it's an incredible yeah. story, so thanks for sharing that.
0: Yeah, Marcy, how did the friends and family react to, uh, to your uh, entrance into the Catholic faith?
4: <laughs> um, well, actually, I mean, my mother-in-law was Catholic, um, so, so, I mean, she was, you know, really excited about it. Um, it was a little more, I mean, growing up in that evangelical covenant background, um, initially my mom had, you know, a little bit, you know, some concerns about it, um, but in terms of, she was more about, if it was helping my personal relationship with the Lord, um, she was for it after all. So it, it ended up being a, a positive experience down the road. Wow.
0: <laughs> Well, Marcy, it's a great story. Thank you for joining us on the program today. And um, Father, you you uh, you talked about uh, well. I always say on this program, and not always on the air, but somebody somewhere today needed to hear that story. I'm I'm guessing, and I bet that's right.
3: For sure, and maybe others have been brought to the Eucharist by a friend. They're listening, and maybe you know. Sometimes we have these experiences with the, it is the Eucharist is Christ, so people do have these experiences. If someone feels nudged by the Holy Spirit to kind of softly, soft evangelization of someone we know or love that's either lapsed or a Protestant or, you know, doesn't have an understanding. And you know, maybe the program, say, if you're listening, maybe that, that nudge from the Holy Spirit about that person is a sign you're supposed to do that. Or maybe you visited a Catholic church before or at a wedding or a funeral and felt something there, had an experience of some sort, some drawing you in, and, and maybe that's that's why Marcy called in today for all of us, I think.
0: Yeah. Marcy, thanks again. Great story. Good to have you on the program today. Let's head to Houston, Texas, and Mary is listening there. Hi. Uh,
4: Father, I have a question, Um, and and this has been on my mind for a while, and I just want to make sure that I'm doing the right thing, and I don't want this person to be doing the wrong thing there. But I have an 88, 89-year-old friend who uh, she doesn't go to church very often, even though she has a daughter who lives with her and, you know, has a car and she could tell her, you know, let's go to church or something, but they don't. Because instead of going to church, they go antique shopping. Uh, and uh, when she does go to church, uh, she goes to receive communion. And I don't know. You know, do I need to say something to her, or is, is, do I have a responsibility of some sort? or...?
3: Well, first of all, you bring um, up a good, good question, right? So I think maybe for our listeners to uh, so uh, you know obviously that the normal expectation be someone is going to mass every Sunday, and we all want to be in that place where we can receive the Eucharist in a state of grace and freely. For your friend, um, you know, again not knowing everything as we often don't about someone's life, even someone close to us. We're not sure, you know, if maybe her daughter, you know, again, she might not have the choice to go or not to Mass. Really, she might be able to go antique shopping or not go anywhere. We don't know, in a sense, the inner life of that relationship. But you bring up a good point, and I think what do we do? Sometimes people will ask a priest or others, you know, what do we do if there's someone we think, even in a more, maybe a more clear situation, someone's really, you know, chooses not to go to mass on purpose really for for a long time pre-pandemic where there, where there was an obligation to attend unlike now in most dioceses at the moment because of the pandemics so we take that into account these days as well um but but before so maybe someone that you know just came at christmas time and maybe didn't really realize that not going to sunday mass was quite serious and one should get a confession go to reconciliation before receiving again and sometimes people don't really know that just like they don't know you really have a full understanding of the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. So some people need some catechesis there. And others, uh, you know, again, there's so much great teaching in the church that where who should refrain from eating communion is another question, right? We have to be very careful. We certainly want to mind our own soul first, as I know you're calling out of love and charity and kindness to your friend and and yourself with the Lord, too. Um, So, you know, I, I think it's very delicate when we approach these things i think how we approach it how we you know invite people to reflect on that it should be an invitation for reflection or catechesis um instead of telling someone they they shouldn't do something because again we don't know the inner life of that person that whether they have gone to confession whether they're not able to go or not and again right now it's a little murkier because we we do have again most of our bishops have lifted the obligation to attend sunday mass With the pandemic so that is also a reality in the present moment uh, unlike years past so so there's a lot of things there i I think it would depend on uh you know i think it's something you know maybe uh it should be done delicately and quietly but it sounds like your friend at her age and not able to drive herself and she might not have all the freedoms that that maybe we have to choose whether or not to go to mass so so i don't know it's uh you know but you bring up a good point Mm other times when people should refrain from taking communion in general, and certainly, yes, of course, uh, if there's a serious sin, someone knows um if someone's willfully chosen not to go to mass before the the obligation was was lifted uh, those kind of uh, times, and I do find people i think sometimes uh you know if you maybe her if you invite her if there is like a a penance on a Saturday afternoon, you know, inviting to take your friend to go to Confession Day. Hey, I'm going to go to Confession and Mass. You want to come with me? And it might open up a nice door for conversation on the way. And it's a way to kind of share that as spiritual sisters and, and kind of maybe through, through an invitation, just maybe she hasn't experienced reconciliation many years. I don't know. But that's another thing even... Um, she doesn't need to go to confession be a grace to go to confession so maybe to to invite her to share that that way and and maybe kind of have a have a pilgrimage to a place of a shrine or confession and a mass locally and go there together that might be a better way than than sort of um maybe sometimes assuming some things that we might not be exactly sure especially in someone in her state her age and her limitations so want to make sure that that she knows the lord wants to be with her as well you know kind of around those kind of conversations
0: yeah Mary uh, does it, does that help?
4: Yes, it does. Thank you so much Father. I'll yeah, invite okay. her next time that I go to penance.
3: Yeah, I think it's okay. a nice way right invite her to there and then no matter what she will get the grace of that and it might probably unlock some some deeper conversations around this um through that invitation you'll be beautiful you're able to always have a great memory if you invited her to go do that uh, together. it be a great, great outing, I think, for the Lord. And again, if other listeners today, if you're listening to this show, right, that's a great way to approach these kind of things. I'm going to go. I love to go. Would you like to come with me? And then we can have a lunch or dinner or go to Mass together or go to a special shrine. And so it's a nice way. But thanks for your call. Very, very um, important
0: question. Yeah, thank you, Mary. And uh, you used uh, the term uh, Father Tayon. Uh, you can hear in Mary's question, it's a question out of love for her friend.
3: Yeah, and you know what, too? I could hear in her voice love for the Lord. So you can tell she, you know, can tell right in her voice, she believes in the Eucharist. Um, she loves the Lord, and she loves her friend. And but I, I heard the love for both in her question, and that's I think that's really beautiful. Yeah. Um, she yeah. loves the Lord. She believes He's present. She loves her friend, and. And she wants to make sure they're they're tight together. So that's a great call, really, just a great, helpful call.
0: Yeah. Mary, God bless you. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Father Marcel Tyone, our spiritual director, talking about the Eucharist today. Let's head to Denver, Colorado. Paul is listening there. Paul, thank you for the call. Welcome to the program today.
5: Yeah, I'm at the bank, the drive to so i just make this brief. Um, I was a pre-med student in the University of Minnesota. I went to the Newman Center on campus there. I noticed everybody coming back from communion, how peaceful they looked. So I thought, there's got to be something into this. And then I soon found out that there was actually a, a change of consecrate from the bread to the body Christ. And I said, that's what I need. And so I've been a Catholic ever since. And um, Lately, I've been going to 6 o'clock Mass in the morning. And sometimes I don't feel like it, but I think about Jesus being nailed to the cross, so I just get up and go.
3: (laughs) Well, amen for that call. I'll tell you, that's a beautiful witness. And uh, I think even more importantly, a witness that you saw the peace and the joy and the uh, serenity in the people receiving the body of Christ, which is, you know, I want that. I want to. I want to know what they know. What is this? What's going on? I think that's that's tremendous. We can never doubt the power of the Holy Spirit working, even in our own receptions of communion, right? But this that, that consolation those people receiving so great witness, a great great conversion story, and uh, and I think too that you admit sometimes it's hard to get up and go to daily mass, and but but I think it's right. It's it's Christ crucified. It's Christ present, and we can offer those kind of struggles up, even though we know it's Christ. Sometimes it's still hard to go to mass. We have to be honest about that. Some days we're tired or uh, frustrated or other things. On The mind, and that's when we almost need the Eucharist even more in a different way. So I thank you, even that part of the call I think is helpful for people.
0: Paul, thanks uh, so much uh, for joining us on the program today. Father Marcel Tyone is our spiritual director talking today about the Eucharist. What does the Eucharist mean to you and uh, that moment in your journey of faith when the real presence of Christ became real for you in the Eucharist? Toll-free phone number if you'd like to join us, 888-914-9149. We'll pause here for a moment, take more of your phone calls. Stay with us. You're listening to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. The Relevant Radio studio line is sponsored by Catholic Order of Foresters. Information about employment opportunities and their flexible premium life insurance plans available at RelevantRadio.com Forester.
1: Welcome back to the Inner Life on Relevant Radio. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Inner Life Show or email us, relevantradio.com. This is the Inner Life on Relevant Radio.
0: Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. Father Marcel Tyone is our spiritual director on the program today. Father Tyone is a priest in the Diocese of Providence, Rhode Island, pastor at St. Thomas More Catholic Church, one of our regular contributors uh, here on The Inner Life, although I must confess it's been much too long, Father, since you've been with us, so it's really good to have you back on the program. Talking today about the Eucharist, uh, what does the Eucharist mean to you and that moment in your journey of faith when suddenly maybe you realized, gosh... Jesus really is present in the Eucharist. What was that moment like for you? Toll free if you'd like to join us, 888-914-9149. By the way, if you're just joining us, so don't forget you can hear our podcast of the entire show. Lots of great stories and really great insights from Father Tyone and our listeners today earlier in the program. So again, if you didn't hear the whole program, uh, the podcast is generally up 30 to 40 minutes or so after we're off the air at the top of the hour. But just go to the website, Relevant radio. The Inner Life page, and you can download today's program, really uh, any of our programs. The show generally is available pretty quick, and if the program has given you a little help or maybe a little uh, hope on your journey of faith, then we invite you to tell your friends about it, share it with those who are important to you. Father Marcel Tayon, our spiritual director, talking about the Eucharist, and let's uh, head back to the phones. And Tracy, listening in Battle Creek, Michigan, thank you for the call, thank you for waiting, and welcome to The Inner Life. Tracy, are you there? Well, let's, uh, Nick, uh, put her on hold and see if maybe she's listening on delay, and we see if we can get her back up. But let's go to uh, Tom, listening in Milwaukee. Hello, Tom. Welcome to the program today.
5: Good morning, Chuck. Good morning, Father. Thank you so much for uh, for having this conversation today. Happy New Year. Um, as I have come to, to realize uh, what our great Catholic faith is, I'm a revert, I still um, I've come that I know that I just want to be get as, get the Eucharist, consume the Eucharist as much as possible. I try to get to daily Mass at least once a week. Uh, this past uh, Holy Day on the first, as as we went to a different parish, I was bemoaning that the decorations and the music was different and, and, and not, you know, just thinking about all that stuff. And but when I, I went up to for the Eucharist for Communion, I, I dropped it. And I felt mortified, and and I picked it up and consumed it right away, and and uh, I got back to the back to the pew, and I was I was crying, I and I, I was I I I just said to the Lord, I'm sorry, and 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 it was, he said it was okay. Then I realized that nothing else mattered with decorations or the music. Um, but it was, it was the Eucharist. And, um, I just thank God for that day and, and that, that realization. Um, and, uh, coincidentally, my, my wife loved the decorations and she said that was the the best she wanted, she needed for that day. So, um, the God, God brings, brings us to different things and, and, uh, I'm so grateful for the Eucharist and, and I try really hard to, uh, to invite my Catholic friends back to the parishes, uh, if they've been just going online, um. I take my father once a, once a month to church to make sure he you know he goes. So I I just I just really come to um, to realize that 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 is everything to uh, to me and into into my faith and and that's where I get my strength from. So I, I really appreciate the, the subject today, Father. Thank you.
3: Well, again, a great great witness, and you bring up you know obviously we know. Eucharist is is God and you know that happens people will sometimes obviously your intention was not to drop our lord but but it happened and it, 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 the lord even used that to draw you back to him so beautifully and i love the part that your your wife <laughs> the music were great <laughs> because that's uh, i think that's that's cute and it's real and uh and you got the grace you needed and she got the grace she needed so i think uh and that's I encourage all of us right we when you go to another church or another place it's kind of uh, beautiful because i think visiting a new church you you see the stained glass windows and the you know the kind of the statues the artifacts that the people that go every week they stop looking at those things and and hopefully just kind of keep on the lord but when we go to a different church no matter what i think we try to as i've grown older try to appreciate each artist each pastor each decorating committee each liturgy committee what they're trying to do and trying to uh, be open to that but certainly uh, i think uh you and your wife both got, both got graces, and I love the fact that, you again, you're always inviting people back to the Lord, right? You can hear your your hear your belief in the true presence, which is a great witness to all of our listeners, to us. But I think uh, that having that inviting spirit, that, that ever unrelenting, kind invitation to others to come to the Lord, come back to faith, come back to confession, and that's something we all should be doing, uh, not just yourself. So I think that that's part of our faith life, to be inviting people back, uh, in any circumstance and every time, um, so we uh, take your cue on that. Thanks, thanks for your witness and call.
0: Yeah. Thank you, Tom. Uh, Good to have you on the program today. He brings up such a good point, and I know for for me, Father Tyone, just um, coming into the faith and then uh, growing deeper in the understanding of it, uh, that uh, there's a Mass and the celebration of the Eucharist every hour of every day somewhere in the world. And let's put aside uh, the priest and maybe didn't like the homily, or in Tom's case, didn't like the decorations, but it's still the Mass. I remember we were producing a documentary in the holy land and went to uh, to sunday mass in nazareth and uh, the priest was speaking a language that i didn't know i didn't understand it it certainly was not english but it was the mass and it Mm. was such a beautiful experience for me even when i couldn't understand what he was saying i knew what he was saying and i knew what was happening
3: no exactly and i think uh you know catholic means universal and right we're the only faith and religion that's truly global where there are, there's the Eucharist in, in every country. And uh, we even whether it's underground and hidden, uh, the Eucharist is everywhere in the world. Um that the apostles did go out to all nations and we're we're in their stead doing that. But you're right, I think there's something beautiful when you can't understand uh someone. I know in, in the United States the parts of the world sometimes a foreign born priest now more and more present in us and I think uh, you know, I think that's a gift. We might not have as many vocations here. Or other parts of the world have a plethora, and the fact that these priests come to us is hard to understand sometimes, maybe different, uh, you know, experience of them preaching or presiding. But I also think there's a richness to that. Um, it's an invitation to grow, and if we, we're not going to go to church in, in Spain or guatemala or india or africa maybe if there's a foreign-born priest that's a reminder to us the universality of the church and the the fruit of the missionaries that have gone before us usually sent from some parts of our world like here in western europe and now we're receiving back this grace the, the if you will the giving back of the missionary work of a generation ago and uh... there's something beautiful about that and i think his experience with the decorations and yours your mention of that, um, so if the homily, the priest—we all, you know, we all get fed a little bit differently, and that's okay to say that. But it's the same Eucharist, same Mass, same priesthood, same baptism, and and we can enter into that true aspect of worship, and then we enter more freely into worship, and we're not so caught up, if you will, on on maybe the decorations or things. So I, again, I think his witness was spot on on so many levels, and uh, that yeah. that guy's just uh,
0: wonderful. So he helps us yeah. all. Thank you, Tom. Nice to have you on, on the program. Let's uh, take another phone call. Claudia, listening in Carson, California. Thank you for joining us on the program today.
4: Good morning.
0: Hi. Welcome, Claudia.
4: I have a question and a story. The question is, if I'm in state of mortal sin, I haven't gone to the priest, however, I go to Mass, could I still say the spiritual communion? That's one. Yeah.
3: yeah, that's a great question. So, do you want me to answer it first and then tell your story? Yeah. So, yeah, so I think it's a great question, and I was hoping somebody actually would go there today um, because there are there are people that should not receive communion, and by, by not receiving communion, I sometimes walk with people or maybe uh, divorced, married outside. The Church did not receive an annulment for different reasons. They haven't started that process yet. But they know the Eucharist is God. They love God. They love their faith. They're still Catholics. Or, in this case, maybe someone's committed a very serious sin. They haven't been able to go to confession, um, whatever that might be. Um, So the people that are not receiving communion are, it's their way of loving the Eucharist, actually, and being, having their hunger increased and do that. But you're right, a spiritual communion is always possible inside the believer I'm certainly live-streaming today. Many people do that at home, but even those in the building do that. Um, you know, I, when I travel around the world sometimes as a, a missionary, we go on mission trips to Dominican Republic, to Jamaica, to other countries, and it's interesting. You go to these countries, and the vast majority of people, even in the cathedrals, do not come up to receive communion, I think because they haven't been to confession. So maybe 10 15% of people will take communion, unlike maybe here in Western countries it's a little... Uh, more uh, people kind of come up. Hopefully, there's long lines of confession sometimes. But you're right. But not receiving communion you can do an act of spiritual communion. You're still in the presence of the real presence. And and certain people, I always tell them, you know, don't don't feel second class if you're not receiving the Eucharist out of respect and love for the teaching of the Church and Christ. God will bless you, and you're you're actually your your reverence and your respect for the Lord is is admirable at that moment in your journey being so faithful like that. Um, and then you feel kinda of they I think they sit up straight and they feel, you know, loved by the church and by God as they are. And I think that's an important reality that someone denying themselves communion by being faithful to Jesus and the teachings, you know, are actually it's an act of love and charity and hopefully an invitation to write by confession, annulment or more catechesis and a change of life so the Eucharist should inspire a change of life in all of us not just those that cannot receive the Eucharist but it's an important part so I, I love your question I was hoping to come up on the show today because that's important for everyone to hear and especially Catholics been away they're not sure what to do or they have things go on in their lives, they, they come to a, maybe a wedding or feel they are not sure if they should receive, they can always make an act of spiritual communion and, and certainly find a priest for confession and talk to a local priest or pastor. Don't be afraid to do that. And uh, it's, it's, it's really a, a journey back to eating the Lord's body and blood. So great, great question. What's your story? The
4: story is, um, I was uh, away from the church until, say, age 40-some, and I came back to the church, actually, through person, and I'm trusting the Lord, and I'm thinking, I I need to be like a child and trust the Lord in every instance of my life, because it's difficult for me to understand that He's present yeah. in the Eucharist. Rationally, it's very difficult for me. One day, uh, about six months ago, I was kneeling uh, in front of the tabernacle. And while the church was open, people were wiping pews and wiping everything. And they had told us before in mass not to touch anything. So I'm kneeling there, and there's the lady approaching the tabernacle, and she touched it. And I got distracted and I'm thinking, oh no, 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 this is not right. And there was the people coming, wiping everything and I interrupted what I was doing, I was praying. And I said, excuse me, there's somebody who touched the tabernacle. And I got up to give them access to it. And when I was walking, I positioned myself almost in front of the tabernacle and I felt like a, a field, you know, like the, the movies, a force field pushing me. Like, I felt like Moses in front of the burning bush. Mm-hmm. And I went, wow, what happened? You know, it wasn't like I got up instantly and I got a headache. And what I interpret as is, you're not being reverent, somebody else is being reverent. Let that lady do what she had to do. You should not have interrupted what you were doing to do that. Yeah, yeah. And when my fatal meter is low, and like, um, Father, and I don't remember his name, says, you got to write the gospel according to you. I write down all those little things that happen to me every once in a while. And when my fatal meter is low, I go back and read my notes because I'm a really rational person so I'm always fine trying to find explanation for everything.
2: Hmm.
3: Well thanks for that story and I think you you know first of all I think uh, some other callers mentioned things like you like you mentioned today sometimes people have a certain grace like a a sense of the real presence, either being close or in a church, walking into a church, uh, seeing other people that believe in the real presence. So, those things are real. Those are small graces that are big from the Holy Spirit. I like think you mentioned writing things down. So, if you're listening to the program today, if you have a great prayer experience or you have a great experience at a Mass or something in a homily or a scripture touches you, maybe write it down. And then on those drier days, those desert days, you can go back. Open that up and you might not have the same consolation, but remembering the consolations can help people get through the valleys of kind of the struggles of the spiritual life. And But again, if you have maybe today here in this program and you haven't thought about, Jesus all those times I felt presence of Jesus in the Eucharist, maybe make a list of whether it was First Communion or at a certain funeral or a Mass or a Sunday when there's a particularly Mass where you just really sense the true presence of Christ, kind of write those things down. And There's something we can all go back to if you're kind of a journaling person or what she calls herself, you call yourself a rational person, meaning you like to think about things, like to understand things, study things, and, and hopefully every Catholic is like that in the sense of that definition of it because it means we're hungry, we want to know the Lord more. And there's so many great books out there if you're listening on the Eucharist, Eucharistic devotions, uh, Father Imard, I think of St. John Vianney, the Gospels themselves, again, John chapter 6, St. Paul's writing on the Eucharist. If you haven't read those as a Catholic, it's great to open the Bible and read those. Um, those are great, great resources for us to understand the teaching of the Church and of Jesus himself about his own body and blood, and it, it's, it's helpful. So, so thanks for your call, your story, and uh, thanks for your, your question.
0: Yeah. Thank you, Claudia. I love that. When her faithful meter is low. What a great image for all of us. But I wonder, you know, don't we all go through that? And maybe if our faithful meter is low, Father Tyone, in terms of the Eucharist, and I've only got about 60 seconds here, maybe a couple of ways we can grow in our love for the
3: Eucharist. I think be around the Eucharist. Remember, there's tabernacles in your neighborhood wherever you are today. I think being around the Eucharist, if you can, the church is unlocked. I've had people pull up to the churches. They know the Lord is inside. They pray there. They go up to the door, visiting a shrine. But I think studying the Eucharist, scriptures, but I think being around the true presence outside of a busy Mass is always helpful. Daily Mass, as you suggested before. Adoration, if you have that, sometimes harder to find. But I think just being... Being in the presence of the real presence, even for a short while, is a great grace. If you've never done that before, give that a try. And I think Lent is a time to, to make some time for that. Um, and always, again, going to confession makes one more hungry for the host every time. So, yeah. But thanks so much. What a great program, great callers, great yeah,
0: I'll say. Have- I'll say. Indeed, indeed. Father Marcel Tyone, our spiritual director, time to wrap things up. And, Fathers, you know we'd like to close with a final blessing for all of our listeners.
3: Father, thank you for the Eucharist. Thank you for the tabernacles around us, priests that consecrate and those that inspire us in their own faith and devotion to the Eucharist. May God bless all who listening to this program today. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: Amen. Father Marcel Tyone, a pleasure to have you back on the program. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks to all of you uh, listening today for taking time in uh, your uh, first workday of 2021 to join us here on the program. We do appreciate it. We celebrate Mass in about 60 seconds. Don't forget 1230 Central, The Faith Explained with K.O. Clark. We're back tomorrow. Hope to see you then.